Welcome to Surprise It's Not a Toaster, where healthcare digital experts Ed Bennett and I, Chris Boyer, we delve into the fabric of online experiences, tackle some of the annoyances, and unveil innovative solutions and cutting-edge tools. And we also challenge AI's limits. Hey, Ed, how are you doing today? I'm good. That's that's a tall order that you've lined out there, but we're going to do it today. It's pretty lofty, isn't it? So yeah. hopefully we're going to get there. <laughs> and this is the inaugural episode. So I think that's something also to keep in mind here as people listen yeah. in. We'd love to hear your thoughts about how we're doing if we meet the promise of that intro. So Ed, what's on your mind today? Well, the thing that has really been on my mind kind of at a metal level about the internet and the web is how things keep changing for the worse when companies put out products. There's a guy named Cory Doctorow, who is kind of a well-known science fiction writer, but he's also an economist and netizen going way back into into the mid-90s. He was very active on the web. And he he writes a lot of essays and thought think pieces about how the web is working or not working. He created this phrase called enshittification. <laughs> and and it's taken off. I mean, I think mm-hmm. he coined this about five years ago. Uh-huh. And it's now taken off. And if you look it up, you'll see lots of references to it on, on Google. And his basic premise, and I'm, I'm probably not re- remembering every single detail of what he's talking about. But he basically says, you know, the life cycle of a a web company, like say TikTok or Facebook, they start out with a great idea that the users of the site can benefit from. Facebook, it was connecting with friends and TikTok, it's sharing funny short videos, et cetera. And they start out like that. And then they start to get popular. And then they go through this sort of life cycle of changes where eventually they become something that people don't want to use anymore. So they start out being having a great simple service. Uh-huh. And especially if they're incorporating their shareholders, they start getting the pressure that they have to keep growing. And the mm-hmm. only way you can show innovation is by adding on more features. Features, yeah. features, features. So then you get this path where there are new features being added to this simple product or the simple idea. And most of the time, the simple stuff that the people actually wanted, it kind of goes away. Zoom yeah. is a perfect example of that. Zoom mm-hmm. started out as this simple interface that worked very well to have a virtual meeting. And they kept adding on all these different features until now I have like this one little set way I set up Zoom. And it's the only way I know. And if something goes wrong, I'm going to need <laughs> half an hour to figure out what it what, what went wrong. It's crazy. <laughs> It's no longer that super convenient thing that we were using when Zoom was first was out there. Yeah. The pressure then is for these companies is now to sell the data about their users. Mm -hmm. So now we've got all of the effort involved to grab people's data, sell it to advertisers or whoever wants to buy it. And then the focus of the company now becomes how much data can we get out of this and a little bit less on What's the service we're offering and how well is it doing? And then as the pressure keeps mounting, the focus is to grow at any cost and cut services. This product doesn't get maintained and to the point where the person who's using it is being bombarded by ads and the whole enjoyment that they had at the beginning is completely gone. They go yeah. bankrupt and the owners kind of walk away with you know their millions of dollars and start something else again. This is a pattern that we just see over and over. 
Mm -hmm. from social media sites to simple tools. And it gets a little annoying. Every time I, I find something that looks really cool, it's new and looks really cool, in the back of my mind is, all right, how are they going to screw this up? Because they will. <laughs> yeah, they, they will. will. There are obviously tools out there that are passion projects that are open source and free. And those, of course, have the downside that they don't have the significant development to make it something fully fledged. Mm-hmm. But most of the time, if there's a specific thing you need to get done on the web, you can probably find somebody who created a tool to do it. And if they've set it out there as a free software, many times it will do just fine. There's this one piece of software called Xeno, mm-hmm. Link Sleuth, and it's basically a web crawler. So you point it to a website and it builds this huge list of all the links and whether they were good links or four or four, and it crawls the site at a very, very fast. I still use that tool. It is at least 15 years old. and he hasn't done any updates to it. It has its downfalls. There's some things it doesn't do, but if I just want a quick look at a website, show me all their pages, show me how good the links are, do they have link rot, any of that stuff, this little tool can do wonders. Compare that to something like SEMrush. Which Um, is so hard to use now. Yeah, and and of course, SEMrush has hundreds of other features and things that might be useful. It's expensive and complicated to use. That's the thing that bothers me about the web now is that we're locked into this economic structure that you have to go down this path if you want to succeed as a company. And it's a rare company that that doesn't do that. Well, you know, I always think about that adage, right? That if the product is free, then you're the product, mm-hmm. basically. And I think that that's how organizations and, and technology companies, they start off with all the good intentions. I mean, even right. Google's, what is Google's statement was like, do no harm or yeah, something like no that, evil, right? right? Do Don't no be evil. evil. Don't yeah. be evil, right? But I mean, and certainly we know that they've crossed that line a couple of times. They kind yeah, of skirt strange. the line with that. Yeah, that is the nature of like trying to monetize something yeah. that is very useful. And I guess that probably explains why there's still so many technologies out there that are running on MS-DOS and mm-hmm. Windows XP and all these mm-hmm. other things. Because if it ain't broke, why fix it, right? And that's yep. the, I guess that's the other adage here. You know, the car companies are now trying to sell services on a monthly basis. So you need to pay BMW $10 a month if you want heated seats right. or pay Mercedes a thousand dollars a year if you want to unlock the full potential of the engine get that extra right. 100 horsepower that it can do crazy stuff this is this whole effort to make everything we do to be ultimate renters instead of owners mm. so software is going to monthly and yearly uh, license fees you can't just buy the software license and use it forever and now the car companies are saying we can get in on this too wow that's crazy and and just yesterday i was going through just all my app subscriptions and canceling all of them mm-hmm. uh, and there's whole niche economies coming up of people that help you to unsubscribe from the things that you've already subscribed to. So, I mean, so there's a whole business going to start up around that too. Yeah, it's, I just, know. it's fascinating. On that note of mm-hmm. enchidification of basic web services, part of our show is going to be around uh, highlighting some technology. So I'd love to hear what piece of technology you're going to share with me today. Okay. The cool little piece of technology that I've been using now for about a year Mm-hmm. is a company called start.me. Oh. And their product is the uh, start page. And and the, the problem I was trying to solve was that I need to use three different browsers to manage the different kinds of things that I do for my business. One browser, I, I mean, I might have one task and it's really optimized for Firefox. 
and there's something else that only really works really well inside edge mm -hmm. and then chrome of course is sort of the swiss army knife of yeah. lots of different things that it can do so I, I found myself having to go to three different browsers in order to, to do things. And of course, I was trying to synchronize bookmarks between the three, and that was just a nightmare. Mm -hmm. So I said, somebody must have a service where I can have my own start page. Oh. And so I did research and I found many different companies that offer it. The one I'm talking about is just one of them. And their service is pretty simple and straightforward. It's a start page. I log in. I have a, a kind of a obscure URL, and in that page, I can have little widgets, and you can have multiple pages and with links on it. Mm -hmm. So I have a start page, which is my general start page, where I have my frequent links, a weather forecast, a calculator, and then I have places where I can have a to-do list, a notes. I can have a widget that is just links, you know, bookmarks to sites, yeah. then I can have different pages for different tasks. So like I have one for uh, an entire page just for JatGTP, which some other user on start.me shared with the world. And oh, this, wow. This guy created this gigantic page of resources and links, very well organized, and just gave it to the community. And I grabbed a copy of it. And now I, I have a page that I can oh, go wow. into it's just on that topic. I have another page that's focused on my business. I have another page that is for uh, mm -hmm. trips and you know personal trips and stuff, home repairs and things of that nature. Yeah. And the nice thing is that I can set my start page on every browser I use on my phone and my um, tablet. And I know that all the links that I need are organized the same way and visible, and I can just go right to it. So mm. it's something like $20 or $30 a year. It was not expensive at all. Oh, yeah. So that's the tip I have. It, it, wow. It's just much more organized and flexible than bookmarks, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. it, it can help you code across different platforms. That's really awesome. I, I remember like, I don't know how many years ago, Google tried to do something like this mm -hmm. where they had some kind of start page. You log into the Google homepage right. and they may still have that. I don't use it anymore yeah. because it was mostly Google plugins or our widgets that they're, right. you know, within their ecosystem. I love this about how you could go multiple browsers and that you can actually have a community of people that curate links and curate. Yeah. Things that they could share. That's awesome. You know, I, I try lots of different things, and we're going to we'll probably be hitting those in other shows. <laughs> and yeah, I'd say 90% of them, I, I, I play with it for a couple of days, and it just mm -hmm. never takes. But this is one that took and extremely useful, and I use it constantly. So, and for $20 yeah. annually? I'm $20 for the personal pro, and that's what I'm using. And they also and, have team ones where you could share this. Yep. With with your team members and enterprise, if you want to go across the entire organization, yeah, and that that's something I uh, I uh, I'm a very small company. It's me and two assistants, so mm -hmm. you know we don't really need to worry about that kind of enterprise stuff. But I could see it being very useful if you have a, a big team and you're working with projects, having the ability for everyone to have access to a single shared page could be very useful. Wow, what a tip. There we go. See, this is why you tune in to Surprise It's Not a Toaster for tips like this. Let's pivot to the okay. third part of our show, which is okay. we, we promised in our intro that we were going to challenge the limits of AI. Hmm. Um, and we're going to do it through a new segment that we're introducing right now called 
Stump ChatGPT. What that is, is basically we're going to pose questions to ChatGPT and see how the answers come out, see what it comes up with. Now, that's a little bit around the genesis of our name came right. from ChatGPT. So why don't you share a little bit about that? Well, we were trying to come up with a name for this. And um, Chris had written up a nice, like two paragraph summary of what the concept of the podcast is. So I used ChatGTP and I actually found a prompt that had already been built to have the AI help you kind of come up with a name. And I just pasted in the description and it came back with a whole bunch of different names. Some were serious, some were funny. The name that stood up for me was Surprise, It's Not a Toaster. <laughs> which just felt so, what's the word? Salient? Well, it, it, yeah, it was on target because I was recently having issues with a toaster. So it, it really, <laughs> I recently went through some frustration that my toaster oven was too complicated for me to use in the morning before I've had my coffee. And um, it, I couldn't get it to toast anymore. And I just said, I said to my wife, we're getting a toaster and all it does is toast. And she said, fine. And so that's what we did. We got a we got a simple toaster that you just put bread in and click and it's done. <laughs> but the other reason it resonated for me was the whole experience that folks like us who've been doing web stuff forever would go to folks who want a website or they want you to do something. And they, mm -hmm. in their mind, it's easy. You can make this and that and it'll happen. And then the surprise, it's not a toaster, applies to <laughs> saying, yeah, this stuff is complicated and there's a lot of moving parts. So, so there we well, go. Well, there you go. I love that. I love that origin story of our titles. So to that end, I actually came up with a question to stump ChatGPT with that's okay. sort of related to a toaster. You ready for this? Okay. The it. question I posed is, describe the impact the invention of the toaster has had on modern society, how it led to the invention of the internet, and the toaster's influence on social media and social media influencers. <laughs> what is that phrase, garbage in, garbage out? <laughs> exactly. Here's where we read the answer, and then, Ed, you and I will determine if ChatGPT succeeded or it okay. failed. Okay. And, I, and just to tell the audience, I have not heard this answer yet. <laughs> okay. So here it is. Ready? The yep. invention of the toaster has left an indelible mark on modern society by revolutionizing breakfast routines, streamlining meal preparation, and becoming an emblem of convenience. While the toaster itself didn't directly lead to the invention of the internet, its place in the lineage of technological progress alongside household appliances contributed to the gradual growth of digital infrastructure that eventually culminated mm. in the creation of the internet. Beyond its role in the technological evolution, the toaster's influence can be traced in the rise of social media. The toaster, as an emblem of domestic technology, paralleled the emergence of consumer electronics that laid the groundwork for the digital era. As social media platforms flourished, they harnessed the same ethos of convenience and accessibility that the toaster introduced to kitchens worldwide. Social media, in turn, provided a stage for the rise of social media influencers, echoing the toaster's role as an everyday tool that captured attention and changed behaviors. Just as the toaster altered breakfast habits, influencers using social media platforms reshape how we view and engage with content, influencing trends, opinions, and consumer choices on a global scale. This is Mad Libs. You could, <laughs> you could plug in to that question. You could plug in 
take toaster out and plug in what's the impact of a shower head, you know, or the, you know whatever. I'm just kind of kind of randomly coming up things. And it would come up with something that sounds, wow, that's really well written and really thought out. It's kind of profound. And then you realize, no, it's 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 a toaster. <laughs> well, surprise, it's not a toaster. It's not a toaster. <laughs> Are you saying, Ed, that that is a pass or a fail? I'm just going to say that's a fail. Anybody reading this would say, hey, yeah, this guy really knows how to write BS when it comes to <laughs> an assignment, and uh, I'm not buying it. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. That's our first stump chat GPT question. Okay. <laughs> so, and this comes to the end of our show. So, okay. Ed, I think we did a successful first show. I think Surprises. so. It's been fun. Yeah, this is great. So, be sure to turn in next time where Ed and I reveal to you surprise, it's not a toaster.